Smack-a-ma-gob, and hi there. It is time to do the Dr. Sleep episode. It's a crossover episode with uh, The Plug with uh, Nate Bushy Atchison. We did uh, The Shining a while ago. And now we're going to do the Dr. Sleep episode. And man, i probably say this. I've done, we did this episode like, I don't know, like a month ago. So I don't remember what I said on here, but I'll say it now and probably i say it later. I haven't seen a movie this good in decades. I cannot recommend this movie enough if you haven't seen it. Especially the DVD expanded version that's three hours long. Doesn't seem like three hours. It flows so good. Uh, it's a long episode, so let's get into it already. Take it away, Bushy. Well, all right, welcome to uh, part two of the crossover project here. The Plug Podcast meets the Vieira Vault. I'm sitting here with Ralph Vieira. How you doing, brother? Magamagab there, dude. <laughs> That's great. We're here to talk about Dr. Sleep tonight. Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, we were supposed to do this, um, earlier. I wanted to do the shining and the doctor sleep back to back, but, eh, you know, some people are, you know, uh, can't hang with the fuckster. So, you know, I had to wait for you. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, my, my schedule sucks. I don't like this overnight bullshit. So, uh, I put myself right back on a day schedule as soon as I'm done working and, um, like, like even now, I'm exhausted, ready to go to bed. It's like ten thirty at night. I'm like, fuck, it's late. You have to work tomorrow. I work tomorrow night. Yeah. Oh, at night. Okay. But well, you know, dr- drugs can be an option, dude, to keep you up. Just so you know. Oh no, no, not not where I work. Uh-huh. <laughs> they hair follicle you there, so. Hair follicles? Oh yeah. Dude, hair follicles will find pot you smoked when you were fucking fourteen. It it goes back ninety days. You're a smart guy. You shave your head. I see. I now I know why you shave your head. I shave my head's a bald. Oh, oh, they can <laughs> check that all, all those millions of long ass hairs on your chin. Right. Yeah. There you go. Shave that, dude. Shave that and do some crack tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I hurt myself at work and get tested and I'm screwed because because they don't just have to take it from your head. They'll take the hair from anywhere they can get it. Shave your pubes. Oh, that's a done deal. <laughs> <laughs> no chick is flossing with me. I'm just saying that. <laughs> wow. Oh. You don't like the bush? The bushy don't like the bush on a girl? You oh. hypocrite. Yeah, I can't stand that shit. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Like, shave that shit down. I'm not a 70s guy. Wow. That's interesting. We learn something every day here on the crossover episode of The Plug and Vieira Vault. Yeah, that's that's a new one. I, I pretty much assumed everybody do that. <laughs> right on, dude. So, uh, I've been ready for this. I watched the theatrical version like four days ago, and I watched uh, tonight. I watched the uh, the extended version. So it, it has now become a total of seven times I have seen Doctor Sleep. Oh wow! And that's I got and I, it doesn't get. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at these movies back to back, which. I don't usually do. Even the theater, I went twice as a theater. There's no movies like this that that I grew up with. I mean, other than like maybe Jaws and and uh, first couple uh, Star Wars movies, but I can't think of any movies after that where I kept going back to the theater to watch it. So this this is a movie that I you know 
I hate to talk now about this because it's fairly new, but I would be quite surprised if this ain't one of my favorite movies in the future because as of now, it is. I don't know how I'm going to feel in the future about this, you know, because, you know, time tells everything. But all I know is that I have not seen a movie on repeat list uh, viewings like this since I was a kid. I um, I tend to watch a lot of stuff over and over again. It, it, it's If I like it, I like it. And um, I got to say, as of right now, for me, Dr. Sleep may be film of the year 2019. Um, oh, Rise not, of... no, maybe for me, man. Well, see, Rise of Skywalker hits voodoo on the uh, 17th. I've already pre-ordered it, so I'm going to rewatch that. Because I know I loved it. I saw it in the theater. That was awesome. Um, I just watched Uncut Gems. I liked it. I saw it. What'd you think? Dude, I thought it was amazing in that ending. And I don't want to give the ending away no, to yeah, listeners. I unex- haven't seen it. Yeah, it was unexpected. Well, but, I was like, what, uh, what the fuck just happened here? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I had, see it coming. <laughs> I had a dinner with my family the other day, and my nephew was like, oh, that movie was terrible. I was like, what? And then I thought, well, you know, he's a young kid, and he's probably like a Happy Gilmore fan or something, you know? Sure, which I understand, because I love Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. I love yeah, the Goofy like Sandler. The, yeah, I liked it too, but, you know, this is not that, this is no nowhere near those movies. This isn't even Punch Drunk Love, because it's not really a comedy. I mean, even Punch Drunk Love was a dark comedy. I never saw it. It's a good one. It's, 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 worth, a, it's worth a watch. All right. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought... His acting was superb. Oh yeah, and uh, and I thought the the flow of the movie was good, and uh, you know it's kind of like um, you know it's a guy that you want to root for, but you you don't want to root for. It's a weird feeling watching him play that role because he's kind of a scumbag. He's a scumbag, and you root for him, but at the same time, it's like, oh come on, you're a scumbag for doing that and this and that. You know, I mean. But he's, uh, you know, the. I will say that chick in the lingerie with that ass. Good God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie. It was good. Absolutely. So, so you're right. Dr. Sleep, uh, even for movie of the year, after those two others I mentioned, Rise of Skywalker, but I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm not that fan to get so pissed off at these three movies. I thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, I don't get mad at any Star Wars movie. I've seen them all. Yeah, I didn't like Jar Jar, and I really don't like the Ewoks. I'm sure you do, because it's your timeline, right? You enjoyed those little furry bastards? No, I'm actually... uh, The only part of Return of the Jedi I liked was the whole, you know, Luke and the Emperor, their standoff until that final you know, lightsaber battle. I did like the Battle of Endor, but the teddy bears can go. I don't hate hate them. I like Jabba the Hutt scene. I, I, I... I thought it was a good movie. It's just the, the It was no Empire. No, the Empire is the best, but man, even though I think Empire is the best Star Wars movie, I have a very strong sentiment for A New Hope because you know, it was a movie that I kept going back to the movies to see it as a kid, you know, in 1977. How old were you? You weren't born yet, right? No, I was 2, and I actually saw that in the theater when it was out. Well, now, at the time, man, me and my friends were all fucking in awe of the special effects of Star Wars, the first one. I mean, looking at it now, it's nothing. But back then, it was so groundbreaking, you know? Oh, it was amazing. It, it was, was absolutely so amazing. amazing. And, 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 so New Hope is like, God, it's like such a close second for me because of sentimental reasons. Oh, I, I hear you. And those I movies, say, that original I will, trilogy, I, I've seen more times than I can count. 
I will say this, and this is definitely not a popular opinion. Um, I thought Mark Hamill in certain scenes of these movies, the the original three, he was terrible. <laughs> I thought he was terrible. Terrible. That's impossible. Yeah, yeah. And, was, and you know, in the first, it, it was one, like it was, Shatner almost in Star yeah. Trek. He was like really overacting. Yeah, and the first one when he's complaining to his uncle, but I want to do this, baby, baby. you know, it's like, ah, but th- but then you look at these last two, he's awesome, right? I thought his acting was fucking badass, but you know, Star Wars purists is like, God, it's terrible, and I'm like, wow, I I thought Luke Luke, I liked him more as a grumpy old man, man. I just thought he was just badass. Well, you, you know, know what it is, you could relate to it, and I found that out like. Here's a perfect example. I used to like. What are you Andrew trying Dice to say play. that I'm a grumpy old guy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's okay. exactly what I'm saying. And hear me out. Go with me on this. I'm, no, no, I'm with you all the way. I am a grumpy old guy. I used to like Andrew Dice Clay back in the '90s just because it was raw filth. Okay, I, still I got like that shit. I, I thought it was hilarious, but I saw a stand-up that he released last year on Netflix, and it, dude, it disappeared quick. It was like on yeah. and then off. But as a 50-something-year-old man, I understood more what he was talking about and enjoyed this Andrew Dice Clay way more than I ever enjoyed the 90s Dice. It's not on Netflix no more? No, dude. It was like there and then gone. I've, I've been looking for it everywhere. Wow. But it's a good one. He's just talking about shit that us older guys have to deal with, and it was great. I just I turned 45 a week after you turned 55. Holy fuck, you're old. I know it. No, uh, Dr. Sleep, I actually haven't watched it in a few weeks. Um, I meant to watch it today. I really did. But, dude, I just watched 1917 today, and that's fucking brilliant. Um, and then Way I watched your research, dude. I, I know it. Uh, but I've seen it enough. I, I haven't seen it seven times, but I have seen it four times. And that's, uh, what is it? It was once the theatrical when I went to the movies and saw it, the three times the extended version that I didn't know I had. And that three times I saw it is since we did the, the Shining episode. So, it's still kind of there. I know right. the movie well enough. I okay. know it has possibly the most brutal scene I've seen in any movie to not show anything. Yeah, no, there's uh, actually three, I believe. What was that, man? I was watching it today. I was like, wow, you know, I mean, I know those two kids killed, but then there was a scene where kind of implied another kid was killed. Now I can't remember now. Fuck. Way to do my research, huh? I know, right? But there, I, I remember the little girl at the beginning. Yeah. You know, with Rose the Hat. And, and that's, I think that was extended in the, uh, in the yeah. director. Yeah, a, a little bit. The, the beginning, yeah. A yeah. Li- not that not much. Not a lot. A little bit. Yeah, just a little. But it, uh, more creep part, was added to it. Yeah, the part where the flowers, she's picking the flowers, was uh, in the extended version. Okay. That was a little more... And, you know, a little conversation she had with him was a little, maybe like half a minute uh, was taken out of that on the theatrical one. But, man, I mean, the the whole scene with, the, you know, him describing the box and how to put people in the box, man, a lot of important, like you saw the extended version. You don't, you were telling me earlier, you don't remember. You thought it was in It's not. It's not in a yeah, theatrical version. I thought version. it was in a theatrical version. I'm going to have to go back and watch them both back to back. And that's going to be a task because you're looking at five and a half hours. That's what I did, though. I watched the theatrical version like four days ago. 
Uh, because I, you know, I got the Blu-ray, so of course I wasn't going to watch the theatrical version. Oh, so I watched the the extended version, and you know, just by memory, I was like, "Wait, this is different." So then, when I watched the theatrical version uh, a couple days ago, I noticed, and then I wa- went back today to watch it, and yeah, I noticed. And I'm telling you, a very important scene, but you know, they, they cut out was the Scatman Crothers character telling. You know, the kid about how his grandfather told him about the box and all this stuff. With a theatrical version, it went straight to, all right, this box and this and that, you know? Yeah, you go to hold it, feel it, smell it. Yeah. It 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 alludes that this is how you go to lock them up. It explains it good enough, but it's very interesting to see the backstory, how he, you know, discovered the box thing because of his grandparents, you know? Oh, that's, see, I'm going to have to look at it again, because I... I really don't remember that not being in the uh, the, uh, theatrical release. There was something else that I caught in this, uh, because like I said, I've only watched the director's cut since I found out I had the director's cut. Uh, Because I I buy a lot of my stuff on Vudu now, just because it's convenient. Uh, I think I told you last time, there's nothing fucking near me. There's a sorry piece of shit mall about 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away. But it's got like five stores. I mean, it's... It's there's nothing there. I could buy shoes, I could buy earrings, and I still do better on Amazon with earrings. And I can get buy sports stuff, uh, but that's it. There's really nothing there. Right. And then there's one in Johnson City, which is an hour away. But I was watching this uh, the other day, this Doctor Sleep, and there's a scene that I don't remember being in a theatrical that may have because you watched the theatrical again. Oh, the voodoo thing. I bought it on voodoo. And it had the director's cut. That was the point of all that. Then all the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, so the interviews with Stephen King, all that stuff was on there. I was like, oh, fucking tits. It's like I bought the Blu-ray. But there's a scene where Danny, as a kid, changes his eye color. Yes. Is that in a theatrical release? No. Because it hit me out of the blue after, you know, after thinking about The Shining. It's like, well, he's a little brown-eyed boy. And yeah. then you watch the whole start of Doctor Sleep when they're showing little Danny, this actor again, little brown-eyed boy. But Ewan McGregor is a blue-eyed guy. So he changed his eye color just by using his shine. And that's something yeah. that was in the director's cut that wasn't in the theatrical version. Right. I'm asking. It ain't. Oh, okay. Wow, that's... I mean, I, I could be a little off on that, but now that you remind me, I'm thinking, and I'm like, no, I don't think it is. This is just such a weird scene. It's not very long. It's just him staring into the mirror with his brown eyes, close his eyes, open up their blue. It just threw me off. One of those little things was like, huh, I can see why that was cut, <laughs> but it also helps make the transition to blue-eyed Ewan McGregor. Right. And I don't remember that piano scene either in the... In the theatrical version. Yeah, I don't uh, either. Now that yeah. you mentioned it. But I only saw that once, to be fair. I mean, the, her playing the piano. I don't even think I remember. I don't even think she's playing the piano in the theatrical. The whole part is completely gone. But, oh my. And I did my research, man. That guy that plays Crow is not from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just got, like, when I was watching the theatrical version, I was like, God damn it. I keep forgetting to check. So I just paused it. Went online and Wikipedia did. No, the guy's done a million movies, but no, that's not the Backstreet Boy guy. 
Well, that's like I thought the other cat was uh, the dude from uh, Sons of Anarchy. And, and it's, uh, not? It, it's not. Okay. The, the got, got kind of a grayish beard, curly hair. I really thought that was the guy from Sons of Anarchy. It was not. Hmm. Interesting. The only, the only guy I absolutely know for sure was Henry Thomas that played Elliot at E.T., played the Jack Nicholson role. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild when you told me that in the last episode. I was like, wow. You know, I'm not the biggest E.T. fan, but I've seen it, and I know who you're talking about. He's the kid on the bike. Right. E.T. Um, but yeah, See, I, I remember like, that movie because I was, uh, my dad was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and uh, that's when that came out, and it was at the movie theater for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It was just, the biggest movie of all time at that time. Well, I you believe- know why uh, Spielberg took so long to release it on, uh, on on VHS, right? No. He was so angry that it lost to Gandhi. Now, this is what I heard through the rumor mill all these years ago, that it lost the uh, best, uh, 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 what, best movie to Gandhi, that he shelved it. Took years for him to release that. And and also they robbed him. They didn't even give him a, a nomination for directing Jaws. Not even a nomination. He was completely robbed on that. I mean, come on, that's <laughs> or you know Robert. Sh- I mean, come on. I mean, I know I'm the biggest Jaws fan and blah blah, and I'm a little biased, but come on, man. One of the greatest well, scenes in history is the Indianapolis scene, and Robert Shaw doesn't get a fucking nomination. Right? Are you fucking kidding me? And and the and the amount of bullshit. This motherfucker went through to make that goddamn movie, only for you know with the with the um, you know uh, the movie company coming down on him, almost firing him a hundred times. And what does he deliver? The biggest fucking summer blockbuster ever, you know. And and it's it's not just a fucking shark movie. I mean, the characters, you know, you can invest in the characters. That movie is just so fucking well made. You know, I, uh, I don't disagree. It's a, it's definitely not my favorite movie. Um, but I, I keep seeing and hearing people say, oh, my all-time favorite movie, Jaws. I was yes. like, let me go watch this stupid shark movie again. Because that's what I was thinking, stupid shark movie. But no, you can get invested in these characters, which, which helps. Otherwise, it's just a cheesy horror movie. Because I've seen a lot of shark movies, and they all suck. Yeah, there's only one shark movie, and that's Jaws. Right, Everything and the rest of them were horrible. I didn't yeah. like two. I didn't like three D. I didn't like four. No, they were all bad. I mean, two was like the best of them of the later three, and that one's bad. So you can tell. I can tell you, three or four is like just beyond ridiculous. But uh, yeah, and you and you heard they're thinking about re remaking it, right? Yeah, but you know that rumor's been going on for a while, and but now the new rumor is they're going to remake it, and Spielberg's going to be involved. And I'm kind of like, I don't think so. I think this is more fake news. Because Spielberg has said on countless occasions that if you ever CGI the shit, it's going to be terrible. You know? I mean, yeah. Look at Jaws 3D. That shark shark looked terrible in that. They all did. Even, you know, the the fourth one is like fucking ridiculous. They all look bad. But It it looked as bad as Christopher Reeve flying as Superman 4. (laughs) I don't even remember that movie. I like That's Superman what, too with Bowda Zod. Or yeah, what yeah. His name? Was it Zod? Yeah, General Zod. Neil to Zod. That's what. Yeah. I like that movie. Zod. That movie was awesome. Yeah, one and two were great. Uh, but that's why Superman Returns took place five years after Superman 2. They forgot the one with Richard Pryor. They forgot four altogether. So, no, we're not even including that shit in the canon. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I pretty much. I'm not a superhero guy, but I've seen those movies. I don't even remember the Richard Pryor one. Is that the one where Superman gets drunk? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, they, they created the kryptonite, and instead of killing him, it just turned him into an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember that movie. I just re- vaguely remember the bar scene with him getting drunk. Yeah, getting drunk and shooting the peanuts through the mirror, flicking them. Yeah, you see, now I want to see it again. <laughs> I don't remember none of that. It's horrible. I have all four of them. I actually have all the Superman movies. Uh, the four with Christopher Reeve, Superman Returns, Man of Steel, and then the two Justice League, Batman vs. Superman and Justice League movies. Because I, I love Superman. I think out of all the superheroes, him and Wolverine and Thor are my favorites. Right. I can watch those shits all the time. Yeah, I I don't like them. I'm not a superhero guy, especially these Marvel movies and shit like that. It's like it's just not my thing. But then again, I wasn't raised on comic books. I was raised on Mad Magazine, believe it or not. That I got was you. my comic book. I, I Mad love magazine, Mad Magazine as well. Crack uh, and Crazy, those three magazines. That's the one that I would buy, not you know Incredible Hulk and shit like that. Yeah, Doctor Sleep. Um, I, I was impressed with this, you know, for several reasons. Uh, now, I haven't read this book. I did read The Shining. I didn't even know this was a book. Uh, it came out in 2013, I guess. Uh, the changes they had to make in order to make it work as a film were brilliant. Because I did do a little bit of research. And in the book, um, The Shining, The Overlook blows up. And in Dr. Sleep, they have to go back to the campground that used to be the Overlook Hotel to deal with these ghosts. So this guy that uh, who's a Mike Flanagan that uh, uh, di- directed yeah. this one, he decided he was going to incorporate the Kubrick ending, leave the Overlook a uh, you know standing, it just abandoned and shut down and boarded up. And I thought that was that was brilliant to give a nod to Kubrick while still giving a nod to Stephen King and fusing both movies together or both books together, yeah, no book and film together. I think it was just brilliant, which really adds to why this is such a good movie. And the actors they got to play all these parts. I mean, all the different ghosts from The Shining. Hell, half of these people are probably dead. You know, yeah. they played those roles back in 1980. But they you know, I, recreated them perfectly. I mean, they all, you know, they all look like those characters, like but you know we're 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 uh, we're running ahead of this because that's the at the end of the movie. All right, well let's know? back it up. Let's back it up. Well, back it up. Like you know, I gotta say, this movie is so good that to me, you know, even watching the director's cut, it's three hours long, but the flow is so good that there, there's I've never seen a three hour movie that didn't even leave a, at least have one boring part because even the dialogue was very interesting. Yeah, it, it never dragged once. Not that once. Is, that is impressive, especially the three-hour version. You know, normally, if you cut shit out, there's a reason for it. I don't know if it was just to keep asses in the seats in a the theater or what, but the three-hour version is every bit as good. Yeah, no, the three-hour version, what they cut out is some of it's kind of vital. You know, what they did was they cut out certain parts of, of the theatrical because... What they did was kind of like, okay, this will explain it without all this other talk. But right. all that other talk is really good and interesting. 
But they say, well, you know, we can't cut it all out because it won't make sense. But, you know, but like the piano scene, now I got to go back and look at the theatrical to see if that was in there. Piano scenes is an incredible buildup for the little girl. Incredible. Right. You know, because as far as I remember, her powers began at her birthday party. You know, that's right. when you with the spoons and shit. But yeah, yeah. Call it out the uh, the uh, uh, what the hell was it? Wasn't it a magician at her party? Something like that. Yeah, with a hat. He had the yeah. little hat. But the, the the opening scene is awesome. I love how the opening scene starts like from above going down on trees. Right. And, and then it goes to the little girl. Uh, Violet was her name, I think. Violet. You know, right. yeah, still, yeah, Violet for Violet by the lake. Yeah, and it's and she's extremely adorable. What a cute little girl! And so you know, her whole mannerisms. She's just so cute, going to the flowers and going up to Rose the Hat, like you know, naive, but not really scared. But you know, you can tell she's a little nervous. Oh yes, brilliant little actress. And um, you know, and then when each person would show up, and she's like, "No, they're my friends. Don't worry about it." So she kind of like put her at ease, and and believe me, watching this shit in the theater for the first time, last thing I was expecting was they were going to murder this little girl. You know? Right, right. And, and the thing turned, is, in the theatrical version, you don't get that feeling. You just see she's missing. That it doesn't really come out till a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, because they all run out. Well, even in extended version, they don't show them killing her. Right, they just show them running up to her, and then it cuts to another scene. But it's just so, like, it's, like, very innocent, but yet, yet it's so dark how that scene ends. That you're like, oh, shit. But, yeah, you don't think she's dead. Even when they, they superimpose, like, her picture on a missing persons thing. You right. You still don't know she's dead yet. You know, Right, you think so, she just kidnapped for some weird yeah, reason. exactly. You just think she's kidnapped till they, you know, till she, uh, Rose the Hat opens that little canister going... Ah, she's violent. She's uh, tastes like flowers. Yeah. That's when you realize she's dead. Right. And that's supposed to take place years later because the the violent abduction takes place when Daddy and Wendy are living yeah. in Florida. He's it's, still a little boy. It's 1980. Yeah. They even show it on the screen, 1980. Uh, and yeah, I can't remember what year it was because they did cut, cut to many years later when Danny was... Uh, was um, Grown. Oh, now I remember the little, the other little kid that died. Um, but um, yeah, I, it, I, I'm pretty sure I had to do with Shiny. Remember when Danny woke up with that chick and uh, from the bar? Yeah. And there was a little baby in the house, a little kid. Yeah, and she like and she, aspirated on vomit. Yeah, and she the, put the he, did. Yeah, he put the baby on on the bed. But then later, like her, you know, her dead body shows up on Danny's bed, yeah. and the little kid turns around and goes, "Mommy," and the little kid's dead. Yeah. And that that scene is so cool because when she's talking to him, there's a fly on her eye. That right. shit's wicked, man. There's a that, fucking fly on her eye. You know. Yeah, that was actually a pretty uh pretty creepy scene when the, when the baby creepy. goes, bah, bah. Yeah. <laughs> it actually made me jump a little bit. Yeah, and he was like, "What the fuck?" You know. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other kid I was thinking of. So, yeah, there's three little kids, you know, and, uh, you know, they haven't found us yet. She said it twice. Yeah, like, yeah. Still so, so you know the, the baby starved to death. 
That's right. horrifying. Oh, yeah, it's fucking, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just so, this movie's fucked up, <laughs> you know? You, you open with, you know, as we're saying, the uh, little Violet and Rose the Hat, and then the True Knot surrounding her. You don't really see what happens. You find that out later when they get to push her. I forget what her name is, the blonde girl there. Yeah, the, the uh, <coughs> call her something, because um, she cut the guy's face, so they gave her a name. Spider cut or something like that. Spider bite. I forgot. Yeah, something well, like that. Snake bite, something. Snake bite. That's what it was. Snake yeah. bite. And that was wicked, too, when they killed her. But, you know, they didn't really kill her. I mean, they did kill her technically, but they made her part of the knot. Because to be part of the true knot, you have to die. You know? Yeah, so it's basically becoming a vampire, if you think about it. Yeah, in a way. But, you know, these vampires can get killed without being a stake through the heart. You could just put a bullet in them and kill them, you know? Sure. But that scene was wicked, too, because, you know, she's like, you know, after she comes back to life, she's like, you told me it wasn't going to hurt. And then, she, and then Rose says the coolest line because she's so fucking evil. She's like, well, you don't feel pain now, do you? It's yeah. like, yeah. It's like, no. yeah, but, you know, you told me it wasn't going to hurt. She's got to be the most evil villainess yeah. I've seen in a film because nobody with tits that nice needs to be that goddamn raw. So, dude, I'm telling you, watching this movie, I'm like, fuck it, kill me, man. I, if, I, if I get to bang you in the afterlife, fuck it, throw some smoke in my mouth and, and, and do the little true not speech. But oh, God. Uh, I, I got to give some points why this movie is so amazing to me. Absolutely. You know, one, the, the murders of these the little girl is enough. But the way that this is what I love, and I, you don't see this in movies, man. This Rose the Hat is so evil and fucked up, but yet throughout the movie, she gets pimp slapped a lot by this little girl. Right. You know, I mean, she fucks Rose the Hat up. Constantly. Yeah, little little Labro's a beast. Oh, she fucks her up, man. She, I mean, even uh, you know, before they ever met, and then when she flies to her house, she outsmarts Rose the Hat constantly. But Rose the Hat is like she's so well put together, like you can't picture her get fooled. And yet this little girl fucks her up, man. Constantly, like at the at the grocery store, throws her across the room. Get the fuck out of my head. Yeah. And and the way she like flies and and her, you know, just rose the hatch like the girl should have won an Oscar. The, her facial expressions when she gets owned, you can't get no better acting than that. Oh yeah, when, when she's in the little girl's room and she's talking shit about her filing cabinet. Yeah. And then the, the drawer slams on her head and Abra gets into her head and she's going through her cathedral she was just bragging about. Oh, it's, it's fucking brilliant. No, and then they were talking about, well, you know, we're going to kill her. Or we're going to make her part of the night. He's like, no, we can't put her in a night. That girl's way too powerful. But right. we can keep her alive. And the guy's like, are you fucking nuts? Yeah. We can't, you know, and, and it would have been a bad idea if they captured her and kept her alive because, you know, she would have done something fucked up and got out of it. Probably would have wasted them all. But just just the mannerisms of this Rose the Hat being so owned and the faces she would make when, you know, she was... I mean, I don't know, man. I'm she telling was, you. It I, was just extreme shock. Like, how the hell does a child do this? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, at the whole time, you know, she's thinking, wow, this girl's very powerful. And then, like, before they, she ever went to the room... You know, she still was, like, a little cocky, like, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, this girl's got 
major powers. We're going to get her and fuck her up. But then when she gets there, it's a whole new thing. It's like, the girl got in my head. Yeah. You know, and the dude was like, what? That's <laughs> never happened before. He's like, yeah, this girl is beyond powerful, you know? And, well, she uh, was powerful enough where you couldn't really see her face when Abra was talking to her, talking yeah. shit to her. Yeah, hair was blue, too. You know, her hair's the wrong color. Her eyes are completely smudged out. You can't really yeah. see it, you know, from the top of her lips up. No, it, was, it was really well, well done. In, in a way, like, fucking the smartest guy in the knot was uh, Crow Daddy. Because... You know, he did what what Rose the Hat couldn't do. He actually did end end up fucking getting getting the little girl, right? You know, and you know, um, and and that's another. You know, I mean, fuck it, we'll go all over the place. Another brutal scene. They kill her father. Yeah, you know, it's like there. I mean, it's just no mercy anywhere. You know, it's this movie is like, yeah, it's a fantasy and everything, but also at the same time, hey man, this is real life shit. You know. And, you know how, how stuff happens, like, well, this ain't Hollywood, you know, when right. shit happens in real life. This movie was like real life shit. This will, you know, you're not going to expect a little baseball uh, baseball kid to get killed or the little girl in the beginning or even, you know, the, the little baby on the bed with the mom. But they all die. And right. that's unheard of. I mean, maybe one one kid death in a movie, maybe one, but three you know, and the father and, you know, it's just, oh, and, and I love to, you know, going back to the beginning of the movie, I love after uh, they give him the little secret about the box. Right. And, and he's sitting watching Bugs Bunny with his mom. Yep. And he just nonchalantly walks to the bathroom, opens the door, that old decrepit naked woman comes out of the bathtub like in The Shining. Yeah, and with a big smile on her face. She thinks yeah. she's got him. Yeah, exactly. So he closes the door nonchalantly. You hear the girl scream, and they have little flashes of the box. Yeah. So he, like, put her in the box, and then he just walks right out and sits back with Mom. That's when Danny becomes, like, a badass. Like, you could tell he's not scared anymore, and he's got this power, but then later on in life, he was trying to forget it, you know? Yeah, it's like he was trying to stun it, because he, at, at that point, he becomes much like his dad, an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, getting into, uh, you know, bar fights, banging whores, doing coke. Right. Yeah. Uh, real life shit. You know? Right. Right. And, and, uh, and, you know, then he goes to the, and even the fucking 12 step program, the, the rehab, which is usually boring in movies. It's great. He talks about his dad, you know, there's a great flow to it, but, and, and, but he's still got that power in this little girl. That's the one part, if there's anything I don't understand about this movie, but at the same time, I'm thinking maybe it's because of the power of The Shining, is how that little girl found him. And, you know, started writing on the wall and shit. Writing on the wall. Yeah, because uh, uh, I forget what his buddy's name was, but it becomes his uh, sponsor. Right. This guy, because uh, Danny figures out when uh, the woman's dead on the bed, and he sets the baby down next to so walks out with her buddy. You know, yeah. steals the money. And I I guess at that point he figures out he's hit rock bottom. So he leaves, ends up in the town. You know, uh, this guy finds him an apartment. And it's got a 
chalkboard wall. What 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 did the landlady say? The guy the the guy the that guy lived that lived was before. doing his math equations. Yeah, yeah. Before the guy was writing on the walls and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So so you got Abra, who I think she's East Coast because this is more middle of the country where he's living now. Projecting to him, writing on the wall, "Hello, good morning," and stuff like that. It's that's wild in its own right, which probably should have led us to believe how strong her power is, because it's obviously stronger than Danny's ever was. Oh no, she's probably the strongest ever. I mean, she could see uh, the true knot from the other side of the country. Right. You know, that's another thing. Like you know, and this rose the hat is like maybe even farther. It's like, how the fuck can she see us from that far? And right. That's how much power this little girl had, and and I don't and and again it's unexpected. You're gonna get a little black girl to be like the most powerful, you know, of the shining. Brilliant! It's just brilliant. It's the unexpected, but Hollywood is a you know the way Hollywood is. It everything's expected, right? And, and this movie was just full of originality. I don't know, man. I think I mean even though it's nothing like Stanley Kubrick's vision. I could see him be very proud of this movie because of the realism of this fantasy type situation, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, um, well, strong homage is paid to Kubrick in the end of the movie anyway. Yeah. And a little bit in the beginning because they show a little bit of the, you know, the overlook at the beginning, you know, but man, it's like, I almost don't want to go to the end. Cause it's like, we're talking about Abra. We're talking about Rose the Hat, and we're forgetting that Danny is the catalyst in all of this. And also, uh, Danny, uh, as a little kid, like, you know, in the beginning, in the extended version, there's another scene of him as a little kid. Later on, when he's staring at the mirror and shit. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that, that's not in the theatrical version. So, like, in the theatrical version, you know, it starts off with Danny's little kid, build it up, and then it flashes when he's older. But right. after he becomes older, there is a flashback scene, you know. And also at the end, of course, there's that, you know, the very last scene. But well, not the last scene, but you know, the last scene in the in the overlook. Right. And the mom shows up. But it's just so I don't know, man. I, I'm gonna start repeating myself, but it's just so fucking well done and so interesting visually. Uh and you know, the shining, you you know, you gotta watch a million documentaries to get this and that. Doctor Sleep, you don't have to look into nothing. As long as you know The Shining. Right. And even, you don't even have to know The Shining with every little fucking glowing detail about it. You know, the overall, this fucking movie took The Shining and and just made it perfect without any abstract or any little heading meanings like Stanley Kubrick loved to put in scenes, little things that, you know, that uh, aren't like the norm. You know, I mean, as much as I'm glowing over Dr. Sleep, to me, The Shining may be more brilliant. I may be saying that because I've lived with it longer, but it's still um, mentally and, you know, uh, visually extremely satisfying. And I think Dr. Sleep pulls that. The Oscars just passed, right? The Oscars just happened? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I don't think it got any nominations, did it? I don't know. I didn't look into it. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that stuff anymore. That shit should have swept the Oscars. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. And, and I'm telling you right now, man, I'm calling it. This movie, Dr. Sleep, is going to be such a cult classic 
when everybody finally gets around to seeing it. You know, when people start discovering it on, you know, on HBO or, you know, hopefully they'll put it up on Netflix. That's right. what I'm hoping Because if that happens, you know, forget it. It's going to blow up to, to you're going to start seeing memes on Dr. Sleep. And because this movie is just so fucking perfect. It really is. And even the even the middle part, I mean, where, where you find out that uh, dad gets his name because he goes by dad now. You know, his nickname, Dr. Sleep, comes from dying patients in a nursing home. Yeah, the, the, the guy dying called him Dr. Sleep, right? That's where it came from? Yeah. And the cat, that's another eerie thing about that movie, the cat. You know, the cat would always go in the rooms when, you know, to, when somebody's about to die. Well, see, I've read actual stories like that. Oh, yeah? Where nursing homes will have a cat, and just before a resident passes away... The cat will go and lay on their bed. Wow. So that's steeped in a little bit of reality right there. Ooh, I did not know that. That's so, creepy. So that one touched me in a way because I used to do nursing home work. I did it for seven years. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, so that was very creepy. And Dan would be able to talk with his mind, could talk directly into somebody's mind and put him at ease. It made mm -hmm. everything very peaceful for these people who were terrified. And that, I think, I think, you know, a lot of people have what I call irrational fears. Uh, like, if you live in the Midwest and your fear is getting eaten by a shark, well, you're a fucking moron. You don't live anywhere near an ocean. Yeah. You know, I'm deathly afraid of snakes, and I'm deathly afraid of heights. So I avoid those two things. <laughs> you know, I don't go into the goddamn woods, and I don't go up. But death terrifies me. Well, bushy, height, snakes, all that shit doesn't scare me. You know what scares me? The only thing that scares me in this life, you know what that is? That. If Sammy Hagar ever returned to Van Halen. <laughs> Petrifies me. Oh, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Oh, thank God. Anyway. Um, so, uh, where were we at in the movie now? Well, the, the whole, the whole Dr. Sleep thing, um, a, a death is another thing that terrifies me. And it's because I'm a man with no faith, you know? Right. And if, uh, if there's truly nothing after how terrifying is this? You get anywhere between 50 and 80 years and then you're fucking done. That's it. You're gone. You're forgotten. Yeah. I mean, and, that's life. I mean, I mean, I won't, I'll be immortal. But, yeah, for you, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, but, you know, Dan's thing. able to tell these people, you know, that you go on. Right. You know, and, and the guy goes straight at ease. He knows why the cat's there, you know. Uh, and because, you know, people think old people, they're senile, they don't know anything. No, they pay attention to everything because they can't get around as fast, so they see everything. And he's like, he's totally put at ease. He calms down. He's like, I can see my wife. And then he passes yeah. peacefully. You know? And but I, a little smoke comes out of his mouth. Oh, well, they, are, they are they trying to tell us everybody has the shining? I think everybody has steam. I don't know if it's... Um, people that have the shine, I think, have much more. Right. And that's why... Uh, 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 the true uh, true knot has to torture and kill because it releases it 
in a deeper way, I guess, or in a better way, makes it stronger. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, and I was thinking that, all right, here she is food shopping. So I'm thinking, all right, they need to eat to live like the rest of us, like humans. Right. But I was always under the impression the reason they get steam and shit is like to get all fucking drugged out. I don't know. I guess it's to improve their shining uh, powers. Because if no, I don't think so. I don't think so because look at all the fucking steam they got out of the little baseball kid. Oh. I mean, come on, that's a lot of steam they got out of the little kid, and yet the old dude ends up dying. Right. Uh, they called it cycling, but he died. Yeah. So, so obviously the steam doesn't like give you power and because that old guy lived what centuries? Centuries, yeah. You know, he said he the... saw empires rise and fall. He was like yeah. the oldest of the bunch. Right. Yeah, I think it just, you know, it it elongates your life. Yeah, that's a little, yeah, there you go. That's what it does. It elongates your life, but it doesn't give you eternal life. It gives you centuries of life. Yeah, yeah. Live long, eat well. Is that what she said? Yeah, and you see when the old guy died, when all the steam came out of him, they all fucking jumped in like, wow. You know? Right, because he obviously, he also shined. Oh, no, no. He had some killer centuries worth of steam there, man. Right. You know, that's uh, some, but, you know, I mean, at the same time, man, you should have grabbed a canister for that guy. <laughs> I think Rose was a little upset. Yeah, they weren't thinking straight. And right. that's and that's right when uh, Rose got, you know, pushed back. There was one person online, and, you know, I'm not bashing people. Look, everybody's got their opinions, you know. Sure. One guy said, God, I love Dr. Sleep so much. The only thing I hated about it was when she like floated to that, you know, when she was flying. To I think that scene was so cool because not so much of her floating to the place, but when she went back. Because this chick like just fucking made her go back 100 million miles an hour, you know? Right, right. You, you saw she went there. Fl- oh, man, that that like made up for. I mean, I'm. When when I first saw it and her floating there, I didn't think, "What is this stupid shit?" This isn't stupid. I was just like interested. I was just a little interested. But yeah, when she's she, circling the planet, yeah, trying to find this girl. You know, oh, I, that's another thing. Uh, uh, Bushy was um, another very important deleted scene was the earthquake. Uh, that's how they found her, right? Because of the earthquake that was deleted from the original one. Uh, the guy found an article online about an earthquake that happened and then the experts over there going there was no earthquake we don't know we don't understand how this tremble happened right that's how they found out where she was right they didn't explain that in the theatrical version see i've got to go back and watch that one see i was so excited to watch the uh director's cut that i haven't even looked at the uh theatrical release at all there may be i may be wrong but i'm it's just my my train of thought here you know um, because it is hard, you know, to sit down and watch theatrical and then the un to find a little, you have to like get two, two fucking, uh, two TVs, two DVD, uh, Blu-ray players and play them both back to back to know exactly what's what. But I'm almost positive that whole earthquake thing was not explained in the theatrical version because that's how they hunted her down. That's right. how they found out what neighborhood she was in, you know? Yeah. I down, down, watched, down to the, down to the house. Mm-hmm. Watching the theatrical version, you just feel like it's the power of the shining that they found her. 
But no, they right. got a little they got a little information of Yeah, they got it, a clue. And it, and they were like, well, maybe it's not, but it's worth taking a look. Right. You know? It was like a right. 50-50 thing, you know. Yeah, and, it, and and that's that's what makes the movie so fun. Is you go from seeing Dan all chill and enjoying life, he's clean and sober, he's having these little laugh talks with this girl, into shit's really getting real. And I, I guess it gets real around the time, well, Red Rub shows up on his wall. Yeah, that's, that's when they kill the little baseball team. Baseball boy. And that's what I say is probably the most brutal scene I have seen in a film without really showing anything but that kid sold it man he sold it his screams his tears his crying his fear i had to i i had i was uncomfortable yeah it is a f- extremely uncomfortable scene where he says oh please you're not gonna hurt me are are you gonna hurt me and she's like yes right that's fucked up man and the way that he screams it's just so realistic. It's it's disturbing. And again, I could be wrong, but I think that murder scene was even longer in the uncut version. You know, they they went on a little long torturing the kid. You know, with the, with Violet, you don't see it, but with the baseball kid, they 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 go all out. I mean, you don't actually see the knife going into him. No, you just see like blood splash yeah. on his face. On and his face, yeah. It is his screams. It is you know what's going on. Yeah. And that's why I say it's the most brutal scene I've ever seen that shows nothing. Yeah. He's pleading for his life to, you know, like basically people that are kind of like the Terminator, you know, no, no remorse, no feeling. All they're thinking about is that steam. Is that steam. And the funny part is I watched the special feature stuff and the kid had a ball doing that scene. The people doing the scene, they had to do a couple takes because they kept turning away because it was bothering them. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's terrible. And that, that's another that thing. Sold the hell out of that scene. Yeah. That that scene alone was Oscar worthy, if you ask me. Another criticism I've seen online was some people said, I love the movie, but I have a child. And it wasn't easy watching that, you know? And I don't have no kid that I know of. And that really fucking fucked me up watching that, you know? Oh, it was it was absolutely brutal because that's kind of that's that's kind of the rule, ain't it? You don't show kids being tortured <laughs> but they you know, did they showed his face being tortured and you don't, you don't do that and uh yeah what you brought up in that last episode when we were talking about the shining i did pay attention to the baseball game and uh the original danny uh was in that scene he did have a line yeah he know? did the talking part he's talking yeah. about it having an arm Right, yeah, because uh, you know, so I, I I could be wrong. I thought you said something like, "If you blink, you miss them." But I, I I did say something like that because that's what I read. Right. But when I went back and watched it, you really look at the guy. You're like, "No, that's fucking Danny." It is a very very quick scene though. But yeah. he does does have a line. Twenty he seconds, actually, maybe. Yeah, he does. Maybe even less. He he says something, and then they go back to the baseball game. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I was paying attention to talked that. about this kid, number whatever he is, having a hell of an arm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's what he said, and which is great, man. Br- bring bring him back. Yeah, because he's know? done no real acting since The Shining. I guess I guess he did something, but after that, he was done. 
I believe he did a TV show when I read up on him. It was, I think he did a TV spot when he was still a little kid, and then he just stopped. Then right. you know, he stopped. He quit acting. But it's so cool that they brought him back for that. You know, yeah, would have been yeah. cool if they brought a couple other people that are still with us, like a, a brief Jack Nicholson role, like you know, at the baseball game too. You know, or Shelley Duvall, like you know, at the uh, being one of the people that die at the at the fucking uh, what was that called hospice. Right, you know, um, is it, but, isn't she batshit crazy now? Yeah, she is. Well, she okay. looks it. That's for sure. Right. I mean, she's not. She's big. She's huge. Or back like then, I said, I, I preferred her a Popeye, right? To to the shining. The only reason she got the shining role is her ability to scream and look terrified because her she acting was, sucked. And she fucking hated Stanley Kubrick. They were at each other's throats that whole fucking movie. They really didn't get along. Wow. And, and a lot of those scenes where she's all pissed off and shit was was very real, you know, uh, because she was just so upset with Stanley Kubrick, you know. But, yeah, going back to the to Dr. Sleep, so they kill the kid, and while they're killing the kid, the little girl's asleep. Yeah, but, she's seeing it. But she's seeing it. Right. She's freaking out. And that's where it gets extremely interesting in the plot because now she can see them. Right. See what they're doing. Uh, and because the guy picked up the, the baseball glove. Uh-huh. And, and that's, the guy, that's the guy that I thought was his Sons of Anarchy, by the way. That guy. Right. Was not. Yeah. Just the reason the guy put on that baseball glove uh, gave her enough power to fucking be in the van with them. At right. At one point, you know. And well, yeah, no one told was... Daddy. She said, she said, get the glove. He had it on. I could find him that way. Yeah. And, See, yeah. I didn't have to watch this bitch today to know what's going on. <laughs> right. Well, no, I, I'm telling you shit I've already known for since I've seen the movie. But I just want to refresh myself. But, you know, sure. by p- putting on the extended version today and watching the theatrical version like four or five days ago, uh, I'm old, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like, was this actually in the theatrical version? It was like, But some parts I'm like, I'm pretty sure this wasn't in the re- uh I got to live with it much longer to find out what's what. I mean, everybody out there, man, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, you're fucked because we're giving it all away. You, you know, hopefully everybody listening saw this fucking movie. For real. You know? For real. But, but yeah, just uh, th- that's when it starts getting very interesting because now she can track them. And again, they're all going to, to the house, uh, to the house. But, but uh, there's a little, um, uh, the, the part where they go in the forest. Um, oh, I, I love that scene. That scene is so good because there's Abner on the park bench and uh, Snake Bites walking up to her. And, and puts injects a, her. And injects her and is like, man, that wasn't hard. And then it's a fucking teddy bear. Teddy bear, that, yeah. That was injected and she's like, what the fuck? And then yeah. that's when they start getting shot. And what's really intense about that scene is like right when one of them gets shot, Rose the Hat feels it. Right. She's like, get out! Get out! Yeah, she's screaming. She's like meditating. Because that's yeah, what she, she does, is meditates. And... and again, it's so cool to see the bad guy freaking out. You know, the bad person, the, the villain. You know, getting getting owned again. She got owned several times. And the way that Rose the Hat carries herself, it seems like it's impossible to own her. But they did. Right, you so know? it's always... You get the feeling it's pure shock and pure terror. How is this happening? Yeah. And at the same time, you're getting pure rage. 
Right. You know, yeah. and that's you know, and, and they basically Dan and his uh his sponsor uh basically take out the whole true knot. Um who is a snake bite there. She ends up just before dying telling dude to kill himself. Because she has that power to push, you know, power of suggestion. And he blows his brains out. And I wasn't ready for that scene either. I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, because he's even an endearing character. Right. You know, you really like him. He helped Dan come out of his alcoholism. He gives him an apartment. He gives him a job. He's just a good guy. It doesn't even believe any of this bullshit Dan's telling him, you know, until he sees it for himself. It's, I, I, I cannot sing enough praises about this, but, uh, who, who's that other cat? Man, I forget his name. They all have such weird fucking names. What is it? Crow Daddy? Yeah. Crow Daddy's the one that I thought was a, a Backstreet Boy. Okay. Yeah. That's the guy I thought that was the Backstreet Boy. <laughs> he looks but, just like him, but you know, then on Wikipedia, I mean, he looks much older, you know, but God, that guy looks exactly like one of the Backstreet Boys. With the thin nice. mustache. Right. Think, or maybe it's in sync. I don't know. I get them confused. I know all the boy bands are the same. Yeah. He, he could have been one of the new kids on the block for all I know. At least the <laughs> yeah. age would be right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would look more like that. But yeah, because when I went to the theater, I'm like, dude, that's the dude from the Backstreet Boys. You know, it was just, <laughs> it's very confusing. I mean, if ever, if ever this dude, uh, like, uh, his name is Zon. McLaren. I have his Wikipedia thing up now. Um, and uh, boy, if ever he went on a shooting spree and killed people, uh, and uh, they got to get the Backstreet Boy to play him in a movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like him. That's great. That's great. I, you know, it's funny. I just pulled up Wiki. I thought Daddy had moved to uh, the Midwest. It was fucking New Hampshire. So he didn't even go out west. He just went from Florida, went north. Wow. <laughs> Well, yeah, so so now we're going into the, you know, where, where they're shooting all the people up. And right. what's really cool about that was Snakebite shows that she even has more power than Danny because she makes him go to sleep. Right. It you know, took her a few tries. Yeah, but you know, she, it, it, it she wasn't easy. She's like, look, bitch. <laughs> right. She not, he knocked, she knocked his ass out and then, uh, what do you call um. Uh, but you know, right when she was about to kill him, you know, Danny's buddy comes and, and shoots her. Right. But boy, right before she dies, she tells him, kill yourself. I mean, the guy doesn't hesitate. No. Puts the rifle it. underneath his chin and bang. Fucked up. Another unexpected turn. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying. I was just like, good God, because he's such a good character. You really... Yeah. It, it, that's one of the great things about this film. It was it was done so well, and I and I'm I'm going to have to read this book because if Stephen King wrote these characters as well as uh, who was it there, uh, uh, Mike Flanagan directed these characters. Wow, just absolutely wow! Because it's a great character driven story, right. It's not just about all your shock and all, which is what a lot of horror films are, you know, but that's what made The Shining so great, the, the Kubrick, you know, interpretation. But now you got, you got little Abra, she's been captured, 
You know, she's doped up. You got a uh, crow daddy has got her. And Dan does a little trick we didn't see he had where he take, takes over her body. Yeah, yeah. When, uh, cause she's like half awake. So maybe that helped. You know, she's all drugged up and shit. Well, yeah, he got in the van. Yeah, and it was, you know, he could see everything that's going on and causes Crow Daddy to, you know, crash the van. And I love right before crash, he he said, "You ain't wearing your seatbelt." <laughs> that shit's badass. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, must be good to know you're not going to die <laughs> or yeah. something to that effect. You know. I see, you ain't wearing your seatbelt, and bam. But the best part of all that is, you know, Abra comes to. You know, it's her. Danny's not in her anymore. She gets out of the van. She's like, I hope that hurts. Yeah, that's awesome when she said that. And then as she's walking away, Rose the Hat shows up in her uh, ghost form, I guess. Because it's not really her. Uh, I, I forget what it's called when you can project your body out. Um, th- there is a term for that. Right. Because um, I, I, I know my daughter's mother was into all that shit. She was... You know, into Wiccan religion, and I, I forget what that's called, but that's what Rose the Hat does. So the whole circling the globe and uh, uh, finding the United States and then floating down to her town, to her street, to her block, that didn't bother me because I've dealt with people thinking that stuff before. But you find out what a badass this little girl is. She don't give a fuck. She sees her standing there, and, and Rose is pissed. I mean, the rage in her face. There's no yeah. fear there. It's absolute rage. No, she's pissed because they, they killed all her fucking partners. Her, her whole clan. The whole knot and, is dead. And Abra just walks right through her like she don't even matter. Right, nothing. <laughs> and, and, and then we're getting to, you know, to the meat and potatoes. Is where we're tying in the Kubrick version. To the to the uh, to to this, you know, the actual original Shining book, Kubrick twisted up a lot. Yeah, because but this movie it, decides to pay homage to that and bring back the Overlook, which was burned down on the Shining. Absolutely, and they and and what a great great way. I mean, they add a little bit of the Shining to the ending of the movie. Well, a lot sure. of Shining. But, oh yeah, oh yeah, but the whole. It, it, Come and take connects. your medicine. And, oh. Yeah. But it connects so well with the story we've just been looking at. You know, it's like, okay, now we're going to make her go over there. Rose the Hat. And she shows up. And I always love, she said it like eight times in the movie. Well, hi there. Yeah. yeah it's just, just the way she says that. It's so, so condescending how she does it. But so hot, too, at the same time. Oh, that's it's a like, sexy oh my, woman. I oh, like how she looked at Dan and said, how did you slip past us? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, where have you been? Yeah, uh, she was freaking out over him. Now, you know? here, here's a fun thing. If you remember our shining episode, you remember I was going off about the bourbon thing. Yeah, like yeah. Jack yeah. Daniels. Right. Now, with this, with Henry Thomas is playing the Jack Nicholson role, but has no knowledge of being Dan's dad. He says, "If I remember right, you're a whiskey man." It pours a Jack Daniels. Right. So, God damn it. It's a burger well, yeah. fucking whiskey. Well, here's the thing. Uh, and I can't remember verbatim what this guy said. But there was a comment on, I think, the YouTube video. 
of our version, of my version. A guy did explain, look, it's technically not bourbon. You know, and he did go on to say it really is whiskey, not bourbon. But, you know, there is a, a, a loophole there. There's a loophole. It's like it's bourbon, but it's not. It's a weird, weird way to explain it. Well, but, I know that you looked it up last time we were talking. Well, that's and it Wikipedia. Technically could be called bourbon, but that's Wikipedia. Right. Uh, Wikipedia. Anybody can write that. <laughs> this is true. But the way this guy explained <laughs> it, it makes it sound like it's whiskey. You know, basically the definition of Jack Daniels is whiskey. But there is a, a, a bourbon loophole in there. That's why I always thought for for all my life, because I've been a Jack man. When I used to drink, that was my drink of choice. You know, and I always thought I was drinking bourbon. Always. And when I've had bourbon that wasn't Jack Daniels, tasted the same to me. Okay, I see. Like, I, I like it. Jim Beam. Jim Beam is straight Kentucky bourbon. Right. I, 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 I noticed similarity. nothing like Jack Daniels. Oh, I noticed a similarity. But then again, I mixed it with Coke. Maybe when you mix it with Coke, it tastes like Jack. Maybe, because I know that, uh, like, I've got a, I've got a, fuck. It, it, I got a pretty big bottle of Jack Daniels here right now. I'm not drinking it because I wanted to be able to talk. Mm-hmm. But um, I could drink it straight. Right. And, and I, don't, you know, I don't, I, I. That's I, because of my ex-girlfriend. I but I'll can't. fill up a half a glass, you know, half of a a drinking glass, you know. And now I can't slug it. I can slug a shot. But if uh, I'm drinking a glass, you know, it takes me four or five, you know, to get it down. Every time I'm drinking Jack without Coke straight, I puke. I got a, I got a weak gut. So I've always mixed it with soda after that, Coke. Bill, I haven't had a taste of Jack Daniels. Well, I did have a, a Jack and Coke uh, at Rock and Pot last year, but before that, it's been like seven years. Nice, nice. Okay, after they kill the Crow Daddy, uh, is that when they start going to the Overlook? Yeah, because it's just uh, it's just Dan and Abra, and he say we're going to a place, you know, uh, you know, the fighter. And uh, that's when uh, she calls her mother, or no, her mother calls her. Yeah. And all she says to Dan as the phone's ringing is, what the hell does she say to him? I forgot, but I know she said something to the mom and then threw the cell phone it, out. It's something about promise me we'll get a hold of her as soon as this is done, or something to that effect. Right. And all she does is answer the phone and says, I love you, hangs up and throws the fucking phone out the goddamn van. Yeah, because they can't track her that way. Right. And but, as a parent, that actually infuriated me because I hate it when I can't get a hold of my daughter. Right. You know, so I, you know, as a parent, I couldn't imagine, oh, oh, my God, my husband's dead. I got blood everywhere. My daughter's gone. <laughs> she answered the phone, said, I love you, and hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> but this might be my favorite part of the film because as they're driving to the Overlook, the scenes are almost... Did they use stock footage? No, no, everything, and they even show the making of how they built the place. They actually built it to to look identical to the original uh, Outlook Hotel from The Shining, and it's crazy. It's creepy how to the T they uh, 
they even put they you even have the bare carpet on, right. on the on the floor right during that scene where oh all those kind, turtle sets yeah yeah they did all that they rebuilt it all yeah, they, and, they were very, very meticulous. Oh, because... extremely meticulous. It looks identical like it. You know, it, up to the, the typewriter was still there. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, with with the papers. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but, but you know, we're cutting out, like, the incredible homage to Stanley Kubrick driving to the place. Because they, yeah. they brought back the fucking music. Oh, the music. The, o- the only difference I, is they're I driving there at night of standing up and cheering and clapping my hands. Yeah. When they're driving to the Overlook, and, you know, the camera's going over that lake and the island in the middle of the lake, and that, dun, 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 like, oh, my God, yes! <laughs> but the difference is this one's nighttime. Right. You know, they're driving there in the nighttime where Stanley Kubrick was daytime. But, right. yeah, and the same same camera. That's the one part of the movie that's like, like all right, now you're... We just spent this whole movie with slight little homages that are not like much. To man, this is like identical. The only difference is nighttime, right? You know, and they get there, and uh, sure, he's like, "Okay, she's here." You know, and she walks in. Well, hi there. Yeah. You know? And again, they they um, they throw her in the maze. And yes. Yes. And this little girl is fucking with her. Kicking her, her ass. She's running by and cutting her. <laughs> and then finally, she catches her and lifts her up. And you see that box coming up to her. Yes. And it turns out that's when Rose got wise to it, going, wait a second. Right. You're not, you're not here. And, and she blew up the box, which that was the one part where they couldn't outsmart her, finally. Finally, and, yeah. Uh, you know, she there, there's where Rose the Happy became a badass. Like, okay, enough, enough of fucking with me, you know. And she goes back in, <laughs> and they kind of reenact the scene a little bit with, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson walking up to, you know, I'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in, you know, type thing. But it's the other way around. It's Danny. Right. You know, what's Danny holding again? It wasn't a baseball bat. No, it, it was an axe. It was an axe. Well, that's because, and now, now we jumped a little bit ahead. That's because, you know, Danny and uh, uh, Abra are, are there to fight fucking what's-her-face. She figures it out. And Danny and Rose the Hat get into a fight, and she fucks him up with the axe. Is that the way it works? Does she get, doesn't she get killed? Well, she, she throws him down the stairs. Right. She gets the axe and she like stabs his leg with it, and then she starts putting his fingers in the her fingers in his wound. Yeah, and that shit always hurts. Every time I see shit like that, yeah. I'm like, oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve's coming out, and she, when she's whiffing his steam, she's like, "Oh my god, this is some good shit." Yeah, yeah. She's like, "How do we not see you?" That that's where she said that. <laughs> but man, it was so awesome where he goes, you know, like they're hungry. Yeah, you and, don't know where you are. Yeah, and every cast of character creepy fuck from The Shining show up. Yeah, the, the squins. Yeah, yeah, the squins, the naked old lady, the the bartender, the guy with the uh, with the you know nice party, isn't it? Nice He's party, a, eh? yeah. <laughs> they're all there, and they fucking fuck her up. And but, uh, but did they go after Dan? 
And they enter him. Yeah. They enter him, and then he tries to kill the little girl. And they go into room, uh, was it 237? 237, yeah. Yeah, they go into that room. And, uh, you know, she, she with her power, she snaps him out of it for a little bit. For, for a minute, yeah. Yeah, for a minute. And she got him out of it. And then he's like, you know, he feels it coming back to him. Like, run! Because I'm going to fucking kill you. Right, right. Me, you know? But I like and, how she said, you don't know who you're in or where you are, talking yeah. about being inside Danny. Right. And yeah, this is what I liked about what this director did. Um, Stephen King was always pissed off at the ending of Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. He hated it. This guy took Stephen King's original ending from The Shining and put it in this film, The Boiler. And we skipped over, like, you know, earlier uh, when they're at the Overlook, he was in the boiler, like, turning on all the... Cranking everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So then she escapes, and he's all fucked up, but he goes in the boiler. And what's so eerie and beautiful at the same time, it's eerie and beautiful, is where Danny turns and there's his mom. Right. And the camera turns to Danny and there's Danny's little boy. Yes. And then she's outside going, come on, you can make it, come out. But it was too late. You know, the place burned down. Right. And go ahead. Even that's a weird scene because, yeah, you see the overlook on fire and all the fire trucks coming and such. And the next thing you know, it's Dan and her talking. And it's like you you, yeah. you, all, you almost forget that we continue on. You know, you think, oh, good, he made it. <laughs> no, no, he well, didn't. But, you know, and also earlier in the movie, you know, there's a couple times where Scatman shows up. So it kind of explains that. It like does. This, the spirit shows up, so he shows up, and he pretty much gives her a little pep talk. Yeah, where he's saying he's wrong to say suppress your shine, you let it go. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he was so scared for her with the true knot. Right. He's like, you hide that shit, because he was yelling at her every time she fucked with Rose. <laughs> he's like yelling at her. No, and, and then, like, Rose says, very important, what she says at the end, toward the end of her life, is like, Oh no, there's more of us out there. You know? Yeah, like, she's just the prettiest or the best looking or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just the prettiest. And then that's one of the things that they last talked about in that final scene was, you know, do you think there's more of them out there? And he's like, well, I, I'm not sure. Maybe. You know, right. which would be a good setup for, you know, another sequel, you know? If there was more out there and shows, but, you know, you'll get to see it. I'll be dead by then. But, um, now, yeah, if they wanted to, I don't, I don't think it would be done very well. I really don't. I right. think at that point it would be a cash grab. Yeah, leave it like this. You know, I mean, this would be a perfect. Uh, but, you know, then, um, like, you want to discuss the very last thing in the movie I loved so much. Was uh, when she goes to the bathroom. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She, She walks in the bathroom because you got to remember, Dan let them all out of the box. Yep. So they're all out again. Yeah, trying to feed off of that shine. Exactly. They're all out again. So the way the movie ends, the little girl just walks in the bathroom. The naked, decrepit old lady comes out of the tub, and she just closes the door, and there's where the credits come up. 
Yeah. But what makes me think what happened was after she closed the door, after the credits come up, she puts her in a box. Absolutely. So, you know, then it, 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 she's just, you know. And, and I think that's such a brilliant ending because it's so dark and eerie, but yet beautiful. Right. You know? Because she knows how to deal with these things she's going to have to deal with throughout her life. Right. And like Danny in, in, earlier in the movie, she went in there like a badass. Not a care, not a care on the planet. When you see that old lady, you know, she just quietly closes the door. Danny did the same thing earlier in the movie. Yep. No fear at all. Where before, Danny was literally peeing his pants. Yeah, pissing himself. Yeah. But that's like, I, I even like, even before that happens, before she goes into that bathroom to handle that woman, her mom walks in. Who are you talking to? Right. You know, and she's like, she's just up front, but I'm talking to Uncle Dan. Well, first she said nobody. And then nobody. Goes, well, but actually, then she, I was, yeah. Yeah, she says, no, we go on after this. You know, and, and the mother, instead of being terrified, because if you remember, the mother and father were terrified of her power. Yeah. Her mother's like, oh, okay. Yeah, Supper's I, ready. I, <laughs> yeah. I accept that you're a badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a great movie uh, all around. Um I, I think it may definitely be movie of the year 2019. I'm going to have to watch Uncut Gems again because uh, I've only watched it once. I'm going to have to watch Rise of Skywalker again. That drops on March 17th. But God damn, the way this guy took a book and a film and was able to fuse them both together and pay homage to both. Right. And make a really good, entertaining movie. And, and and we've we've sucked its dick a lot. Three hours and it doesn't drag at all. You know, I I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, it, it could become one of my favorite movies of all time. I think so too. I think it's going to go up there uh, with The Shining because uh, I mean, as I feel right now, I think it's as good. You know, there's certain elements of The Shining that I would put over it, but. That's because I've lived with it this long. But, man, the way I feel about this movie, I think it's going to be definitely in my top ten. I haven't seen a movie this good. I don't know. I can't even tell you. Maybe Goodfellas is the last time I've seen a movie this good. And I love Casino. And and there was, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, what was that movie, that black exploitation movie I really like? Uh, something Dynamite? I forgot now. Um, oh, Dolomite. No, not Dolomite. Uh, oh my God! There's a movie you got to see. Uh, it's a black exploitation movie, but it's made like maybe ten years ago. Um, something Dynamite. It's so good, uh, but that's a comedy. You know. I don't know. The last black exploitation movie I saw that was recent was Undercover Brother. Th- this one's called Black Dynamite, and I do- cannot suggest a fucking movie more for you to watch of recent times than Black Dynamite. It's so fucking good. Nice. I mean, this I'll guy is like, yeah, he's he's a badass. The first scene, he's banging three chicks, and <laughs> <laughs> let, uh, and let me guess, he's doing kung fu, right? He does kung fu. Yes. <laughs> he, I mean, you seen have you seen Eddie Murphy's uh, I'm Dolomite or whatever I that movie's it. called? I loved it. I loved God it. is great. Eddie Murphy killed it. No, killed there's, it. There, there's a part in Black Dynamite where he's like, he's doing kung fu with like six white guys beating the fuck out of all of them. And then the phone, the phone rings and he picks it up and it's his mom. And he's like, I told you not to 
I told you not to disrupt me during my karate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. And 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 the and the whole plot of the movie, like at the very end, the final scene, the final fight, he fights Richard Nixon. <laughs> oh God, that's great. At the White House. You gotta <laughs> see this movie. It's so that's great. Yeah, and uh, Richard Nixon's wife wants to bang him. <laughs> the guy's like the coolest guy on the planet. Oh, black, that's black so funny. Can, he's like, can you dig it? I <laughs> Fucking badass flick. That's like, have you ever? And and a lot of people don't seem to know this movie. It's it's one of my favorites as far as comedies go. I don't know if it's black exploitation, but it's definitely a black movie. Um, uh, uh, Pootie Tang. Uh, you know what? I think I have. It sounds familiar. <laughs> it's got Chris Rock. It's got Lance Crothers in it. It's got Wanda Sykes in it. Uh, yeah, all star cast, and Pootie Tang is like a uh, he's basically a superhero, but his power comes from his dad's belt. His dad had this one special belt with his one special buckle that he would whoop his ass with. <laughs> <laughs> and Pootie Tang was just a badass with that belt, knocking motherfuckers out <laughs> like, like Indiana Jones with his whip, basically. And Pootie Tang didn't talk in like English, he said weird shit. Like, you know, his sexy talk was like, I'm a sign your pity on the ruddy kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's fucking brilliant. Chris Rock plays a dad. Uh, dude, I can't sell that shit enough. It's fucking hilarious. Cool. Well, definitely check out uh, Black Dynamite. So it's a Black That's, Dynamite. It's a movie uh, you have to see. Pootie Tang. Yeah, Watch I'll check those. it out. Check those out. Man, uh... I don't know if there's a lot more to say about Dr. Sleep other than it's... No, that's amazing. it. We, we just went through it, and uh, I think this was a very interesting and informative episode because it's not like just us going through the plot. It's us going through what we think about the visions and the acting and everything that, sure. you know involved in this. It's just, well, yeah, we're not Siskel and Ebert, damn it. That's for all the old guys out there. Yeah. No, Ralph and, knows and I, what I'm talking about. And I'm and I'm far from a movie critic because we're, a lot of way, movies we're way before Ebert and Roper. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, look, movie critics, music critics, I'm so far removed from those people. I love Ario Speedwagon for Christ's sake. I'm a big fan of fucking corporate rock. I am the anti-music critic, and I feel that way about movies because if oh, to I me, I hate critics. To me, if Dr. Sweet did not sweep the goddamn uh, Oscars of this year. It shows you, I don't know jack shit of what's going on. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, Cisco and Ebert would agree with me, but sometimes, I mean, I can't remember what movies, but they've slammed the movies. I, I, I believe uh, uh, Cisco hated the first Terminator. You know, it's like, God, it's one of the greatest movies ever. Well, while Ebert loved it. Or maybe it was the other way around. Or maybe I'm thinking of a, a different movie, but... You know, I, I remember seeing one of them slam that movie, and I'm like, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. You know, I, I I have found in my experience that if a critic hates something, that's something I have to go see. Right, right on, Bushy. Well, this has been an interesting episode. We finally knocked it out. The sequel to The Shining, on the crossover, the plug needs for Vieira Vault. So until next time, Bushy. Smack him a gob, dude. I, I love that word. Motherfuckers, <laughs> by vinyl, and we'll see you next time.
Bye-bye. Seriously, if you haven't seen that three-hour extended version of Dr. Sleep, you must do that. Thank you so much, Bushy, from the plug. Now it's time to go into the vault. All right, I'm in the vault, and it's kind of cold in here. I forgot to left the AC on. Anyway, what I'm going to play you now is uh, something really silly I did several years ago. Uh, with my acoustic guitar, I wrote a song called Posers and Hipsters. And uh, the melody is from uh, an Oasis B-side. I think it's called something... Um, Something Star. I can't remember the name of the song now. It's a really good B-side, and I use kind of the melody lines. But the lyrics are all me. So here it is, uh, recorded on my video camera. No uh, fancy-schmancy studio work, just me. My expensive Taylor acoustic guitar. And the lyrics. Check it out. Yep. 
brings a tear to my eye. Posers and hipsters. Well, my friends, it's the end of the Vieira Vault, but boy, do I have more episodes coming up. Oh, yeah. I haven't missed a week since I've left the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, and I intend to keep it that way. I'm on a roll, man, and I'm loving it. I'm loving the feedback. I'm loving all you people listening, especially those that are hearing my voice right now. And, uh, I'll see you next week. I have several uh, episodes in the can, so I don't know. I'll have to pick and choose which one I want to put up next week. Whatever it is, it's going to be awesome because they're all awesome. Again, thank you so much. Stay true to yourself. Don't rip anybody off. Don't fuck anybody over. Be fucking cool. Schmack-a-ma-gob! <laughs>